say, hey, maybe I should sing along. Do you remember when I used to write poetry and sing it on the air? Yes. In our, the very first days of our radio life. Let's go forward, okay, yeah. Oh, I thought it was, well, of course I did. <laughs> Good morning, this is Landscape <laughs> yes. Alaska. It wasn't until Senator Dennis told me to stop it. <laughs> okay, well, yes, Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners on the air. This is a call-in show at the radio station, 907-586-1800. It's not a coincidence, 1-800-AM-800. Oh, well. So uh, Margaret Tharp and I are, are uh, going to take calls about landscaping and gardening. We, we'll visit people's houses. We will uh, talk about the upcoming Master Gardener Tour. We're going to discuss some uh, very significant things, and we're going to expose a great sale at Landscape Alaska. Landscape Alaska is our nursery on the back loop road. We call it a boutique nursery. No signs on the road. You have to kind of find us, look at our mailbox, find where we are, go up the driveway. What are those water what are those water people that take the sticks and to find water? That's kind of how dowsers. To, dowsers you have to kind of come My as, mother was a dowser. Can you believe that? To find of Landscape Alaska you, you need to be a dowser. Uh Take your willow twig, hold it between your hands, <laughs> pull, pull it really hard. You can feel the tug. Yeah. It'll head you right up the hill to Landscape Alaska. Anyway. Okay, we'll be open today from 10 to 4. Come on up. It's, we got some great stuff. And boy, at this weather, this last I'm week, so bringing glad things it's gotten into cool. Bloom. And today, with the kind of overcast look, they just glow. Everything's Those just Those colors beautiful. of rhododendrons and azaleas just staggering. Have, the rhododendrons have been amazing this year. Yes. The ones that didn't die are absolutely, it's some of the biggest rhododendrons in bloom I've ever seen. I've been working up on Mountainside Estates and there's a rhododendron up there in somebody's yard that is the biggest rhododendron I have ever seen. And I work at the Park Shore and they've got big rhododendrons, but this one is bigger. And every so what every were you doing on Mountainside Estates? A flower, everything, everything. Every branch, every branch has a flower. That's how rhododendrons live. Every branch has a flower. Mm, just loaded. The new growth comes out, and if you feed them, mm-hmm. every branch will have a flower on it. Right. Okay, so you were doing a project. Yeah, I was. I was uh, making a hedge up up there to protect something. Uh, to give it. it, it it's a play area on a lawn that uh, needed a boundary so the kids would not want to run out into the road. And so it's a, a beautiful garden border, but it's built like a hedge, but it's not a straight line completely. Of course not. And, uh, you know, I love putting in landscapes. There's something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? You know, I and I love I going to people's houses and giving them what they like and working really hard for them. And like, isn't this what you had in mind? Well, yeah. But you know, finding something you like to do and doing it well and wholeheartedly and and being appreciated for it, what could be better than that? I know, but it, I was raised to be pampered and waited on. And I just can't stand that. Too bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like to go you, you out. You ended up in the wrong like slot to for being waited on. And be in the dirt uh-huh. and get dirty. Of course, I always have liked that. Of course, Even and then you can girl. come home and go. Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> come home and. and uh, I'm too dirty empty, to talk. E- empty my boots of all the rocks. Oh, and God, yes. You know, I was thinking that we need, we need an outdoor shower. Come in step outdoors before you even come into the house. Well, I'd knock all the dirt, dirt off my boots before I come in. 
When I was a young hippie and I rented my first house, I had a rose arbor outside the house that I put a shower in, and it was just like that. And we would shower before coming into the house. Oh, good. Shower Are amidst you an old the blooming hippie roses. Now? Really, really old. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so you made a hedge, and you made it out of not just one thing. No, I made it out of uh, rhododendrons, out of arbovita, out of um, Miss Kim Lilac and hydrangeas and a hydrangea tree. And it really turned out pretty. It, it has a pattern. There's a pattern to it. Oh, yes, pa- I'm sure. People need to see patterns. Patterns make us feel comfortable. But it doesn't have to be all one thing in order to be a, a boundary edge. Mm-hmm. There's something it, about so it looks very recognizable things, too. Hmm? There's something about recognizable things, elements that you can recognize in a construction that make you feel comfortable, even if most of it is stuff you're not familiar with. But if some of it is stuff you're very familiar with, like the arborvitas, you know, nobody can look at that and not recognize the arborvita. Well, they can't look at the rhododendron without recognizing the rhododendron either, right? You know, I, I just, uh, even when I've traveled to other countries, and I don't know what their material is. It's the patterning and application of that material that gives one a feeling of safety or comfort or belonging. All of that, it's a subliminal psychic existence that Mm -hmm. the landscape gives us. And sometimes it's not just what it gives, but what it doesn't give. It doesn't give you worry. It doesn't give you fear. It doesn't give you uh, signs of danger. Right. It, you can see the elements. You feel comfortable around them. Yeah, anyway, I like that. I love working in the landscape. And I'll be really sad when I get too old to do it. But as long as I can do it, I'm thrilled that I have enough people that want me to come and work in there. I have a new job this next week I'm so excited about. I'm going to build a small rock wall and put in a formal entry for a lovely home. So it'll be great. That's right. And we're coming into that time of year for us where uh, we have an actual crew now that we're able to work with. So uh, if there are people who are looking for this kind of thing, they can reach out to us and we'll be back, we'll be back right. to you. I had to wait. My workers all work for the school district, and so I had to wait for them to school to get out so they could come to work. That's right. They're great young men. They've worked with me before. I'm thrilled. There's a lot of stuff to do this time of year, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, aren't you glad you, you have them coming on board now? <laughs> yep, I am. Grateful. Very grateful. Among the things we have to do this time of year is to uh, manage the mugo pines. And they're, they've got those candles sticking up all over them. Right. And that's how you, that's how you manage the growth of a mugo pine. As you break it off. So it, if you only want it to grow a little bit more, don't break it off all the way down at the base, but go a quarter of an inch up or a half inch up and break it off there because usually the candles are four or five inches t- long. Uh-huh. And you want to do it before they set those terminal buds on the end, which look like little bumps coming out of the sides. If, you've, if you see those right. on the end of the candle, then wait till next year. Because what happens with pine trees is if you cut them between their there are whirls of branches, that piece will die back to where the next whirl of branches is. Mm-hmm. So you want to get them before that and control that. Uh, we are talking to Tyler Rental about getting some new electric battery-operated tools. Yes, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the things, we use a lot of the, uh, the combi tools, which are the motor that you can switch attachments with. The, so you can switch out a weed eater or an edger or a hedge trimmer or the power broom. And the new battery packs have the ability to, they have electric heads for them so you can sw- use the same tools. Which it's I re- just so convenient. Isn't it, though? You know, and uh, it, it's true that gas-powered things uh, are often stronger, more powerful, you know, mm-hmm. but they're also a lot of, they're heavier, they're inconvenient because you have to travel with the gasoline and the all the tools to fix it if something breaks. And something often does. You know, and so the, the electric, application is so much easier user friendly and as long as you have enough batteries when one wears out you just put another one in mm-hmm. and the one i was particularly interested in with the battery is something you wear on your back so it's about so it's enough to go all day long so you Great. can operate your tool all day long it's that's very exciting to me okay so it's a call-in show i know everybody's busy out there shall i call you margaret 907 5861800 586-1800. Landscape Alaska has a sale on today through the weekend, and that is if you buy any rhododendron, you can take 10% off of any conifer. And we'll give you uh, a packet of nematodes to go along with your rhododendrons. Great. And the nematodes are a protective, a little animal that lives in the soil that protects your plant against foreign invaders. Right. So... Um you know, I'm surprised we have all those young plugs of the spirea and the lilacs mm-hmm. and the lingonberries that are so groovy. And those and beautiful, beautiful yellow-leaved spireas. Uh, they're called golden... Glow girl. They're, they're also are, called they're in, tor, tor gold. Tor gold. It depends on who produces it, what name they use. Uh-huh, but it is a glow girl. Yes, it's the same thing. Which has a beautiful fall color. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. for people who are have large projects, it does mean you have to have patience to let things grow together. But it means that you can also plant enough of them so your plants can become like a ground cover as they age and hide your ground from the weeds weed seed and uh it, it's a really great maintenance application and it cuts the light off to the ground too That's so what i mean things won't get started right so instead of putting in one plant you put in 10 plants for the same amount of money and yes there is some gaps between them and it may take a two years for them to actually touch but in two years you'll have a much bigger plant and the ground will be protected from weed seed and what i've seen you do is you'll use a, a a larger one and then four or five smaller ones around it so that uh, you have some more presence when you get started, but then uh, over the next three or four years, your establishment gets really a lot bigger around it. I really like putting them together like a tapestry, having the spireas with the lingonberries, with the lilacs in large swaths so that as they grow, it's a tapestry in mm-hmm. the landscape. I can see it in my mind's eye. I've certainly seen it a lot of times that you've made it, but when you just, you describe it and you can see it like that, that's, that's pretty impressive. And there's all those red cedars, those little red cedar plugs. You know, if somebody wanted to really have a beautiful hedge, 
buy those. Mm -hmm. They're gonna take off like crazy. They already are taking off. We're at the kind of the northern edge of hardiness for red cedar, but this new variety is much hardier, much, much hardier, and grows faster, but doesn't get as huge. In our yard, we've got one of the old-fashioned, really huge western red cedars. Boy, and is it beautiful. I just just love love it. it. (laughs) And I think think the owl is in there, but it might be back into into the spruce trees further. I don't know. I don't know. We can I don't cer- think it sounds like it's well maybe. It could be. It could be in the Canaan fir too. That's another beautiful tree. Yeah, with the cones are just beginning to form on it. They're purple. So you've also in this last couple of weeks been manufacturing your uh, planting soil. Yeah. Using it right up too. Mm-hmm. So tell me how you do that. Well, I buy sand from AgPro and bring it in my truck to <coughs> Landscape Alaska. And I usually, oh, here's a call. Good morning, Conversations. Yeah, it's just a radio station. This is the gardening show on the radio station, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a question. Okay, what's the question? Uh, I'm in town right now, and I'm looking around for something good to fertilize uh, our fruit trees that were planted last fall. Come see me this afternoon. Well, if you're going to buy a type of fertilizer, what kind would you recommend, Dave? We've got this really good organic fertilizer designed for fruit trees by the Canadians. It's designed for cold, wet places, and it's an organic fruit tree kind. It comes in a, a paper sachet that you bury the whole thing in the ground. And where can that be gotten at? At Landscape Alaska. On the back loop road between, you're not from here, but if you look up on your phone, the website for Landscape Alaska, there's a little map that shows it to you. And it's on the back loop road between the Ock Bay Harbor and the glacier. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. All right. And it is the right time for doing that too. Yeah. And uh, I... I have uh, I've really had great results with these fertilizers from the Canadians. Absolutely. They've Just looking at what weather. overwintered. Right. They came back, you know, as long as it, the greenhouse didn't collapse on them, they did well, just There fine. was that. <laughs> Golly gee. Yeah. Going out and looking at the collapsed greenhouse is really a heartbreaking thing. I'm sorry to say. We didn't like it at all. Okay. Okay, so talk to me about the planting mix. You're starting off with oh, sand. You start off with sand, and it, it's, it's about... It's about half sand? A third sand, maybe maybe a half. It, you know, it's it's a completely... I don't have a real recipe. I like it. I know that when I've used too much sand, it doesn't drain fast enough. And so I break it up with uh, chicken manure and with bark, fine bark. And... Uh, blend it normally on the in the bed of my truck i take half of it off and spread the sand down thin and then i layer it up with these other ingredients and mix it with shovels and rakes and uh, then put it in buckets and store it in my greenhouse so that when i have jobs i can just load up with buckets and that's easy to transport so um, the bark will eventually break down, but it's also a different size particle. Soils are really about particle sizes. 
And um, I worry about weed seed coming in other types of ingredients that you can get out of raw material. Mm, when you so, buy screened overburden or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, my favorite thing to do is have straight peat, but I haven't been able to get it. So this is this is my substitute is to make this and you can grow it in pots or you can put it in the garden or you can, you know, not necessarily vegetable gardening, but uh, it, just because the, the it's pretty acidy for vegetables, but it has a real fast draining and the roots just respond right away. They do, and I've noticed that the flower pots, you, and, and, and doing that, you can adjust both the pore space and the, and the particle size for job to job pretty easily. Right. And I noticed that those great big flower pots you planted 10 days ago, they're t- taken off. Yeah. And I... Uh, There's lots of air. Well, having different sized particles, the roots get plenty of air. And with the amount of water we have here on an annual basis, having your soils drain is really important. That's certainly true. Okay, so... Uh, and then, of course, I add lime and fertilizers and all that stuff to it, depending on where I'm planting and what I'm planting. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, you'd have to adjust that according to whatever crop you're putting in. Right. I saw that. Yeah. But they're all going to need some kind of lime, unless it's something like blueberries. Right. Okay. And so uh, this planting mix that you're making now, you're going to use it next week in the planting job. You're going to also have to do some rock setting. Yeah. I love rock setting. And it's, and it's going to be small rocks. I mean, I like doing it with a machine and using um, using ex- excavators and stuff like that. But I love just setting rock by hand. And um, since I have these guys that will put it in buckets for me and bring me bring the rock, I don't think it's going to take that long. I'm not anticipating it taking long. We've got several kinds of stone around here, around Juno. So if you want to pick and choose the colors and shapes, there are a couple quarries. One of them is in uh, uh, Lemon Creek, the Hidden Valley Quarry. That's that's the stone I'm going to use for this project. It's going to complement the stone that's already on the site the best. And that's really pretty rock. It's dark, really, really dark. Right. And when it breaks in pieces, uh, it's kind of it's angular without being shattered. Mm-hmm. That's really a hard thing to, to use that shattered kind of rock. And then the other local source is the one at. Uh, the big Stabler, point, Stabler's Stabler point. point. Mm-hmm. And that's more of a gray-green, isn't it? Gray. But it's it's also a... I don't see small rock there much. You know, that's mostly if you're going to do a job where you need big rock. Truckloads come to you and you set it with an excavator. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got a phone call. Okay. Oh, good dude. Hello, Conversations. Hi. Um, can you talk about uh, using clover for ground cover? Um, both red and white and when to plant it and how to plant it and tend it and so forth? Sure. Okay. We'll tell you you on the air what we know, okay? Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay. So a lot of people want to have clover instead of grass because it encourages pollinations, insects. But you still have to mow it. Particularly the red. The red gets a lot bigger than the white. The white Dutch clover or flat clover tops out at about four inches, but the red clover gets to be about a foot tall. And so if you have either one of those, you know, you're still going to have, if if four inches is too high for you to look at, then you're still going to want to mow it. Remember those porcupines eating the clover out of our lawn? Mm -hmm. 
Boy, that was such a cute thing. And uh, clovers, of course, are uh, nitrogen fixers. They've got bacteria in their roots that can absorb nitrogen out of the air and make it into a form the plant can use. And then the, the leaves break down and you contribute the nitrogen into the cycle. So there it is, and you can, you can do that. It's, uh, and so do you know if red clover is successful here? Uh, As, uh, you know, we... I've seen it in people's yards, and I've seen it in people's yards years after they planted it, but not as persistent as the white clover is. Right. I would think with the amount of, I mean, if our weather was like the weather's been this last month, I'm sure the red clover would do just fine. But I think about last year when it was raining like seven inches a week in July, it would just get flattened Mm -hmm. and be kind of slimy where the smaller clover wouldn't be like that. And if you're looking at it for a ground cover that you're not going to mow at all, maybe you're just going to put red clover out there, you always have to be aware of these introduced species making their way out into the larger landscape. If it's in a place where you're, you're pretty confident that the la- landscape that surrounds you is an intact one and there's not going to be uh, disturbed areas where the clover is going to make a new home. It's always looking for disturbed areas. Clover is a, a pioneering species, so it's going to make its way into open ground. And uh, if there is that around you, you want to be aware of it. It has to be so okay. So it doesn't, doesn't become invasive. It doesn't become invasive. And if, if you're uh, in a neighborhood where people's yards are all next to each other, you might want to talk to your neighbors about before you put clover into your yard. Now, you wouldn't have to worry that much about white clover, would you? Same thing. If you put it in your yard, it's going to be in your neighbor's yard very shortly. And so if you were wanting to buy clover seed, where would you go to buy it? Probably uh, any, uh, any seed dealer, not necessarily your local Territ- nursery. T- territorial seed well if you live in in alaska you can go to alaska mill and feed up in anchorage in anchorage and they put it in the mail and they ship all over the state through and they have a special a a bush desk they call it and they send stuff everywhere and they're not just seed people they're all kinds of things animal feed and potatoes potato seed all everything specialty fertilizers we buy our grass seed through them and have it mixed according to our recommendations because we want to use as much native grass seed as we can. We use a native fescue and a native bluegrass, along with a, a ryegrass, a hybrid ryegrass. The ryegrass is not native, but the other two are. That was a great question about the red and white clover. Mm-hmm. So Real if anybody nice. has any experience with this and wants to give us some feedback, we'd be thrilled. And I'm sure that there are people who have livestock that plant that clover just because the animals like it so much. And not just chickens, but all kinds of animals love it. I'd like to talk about uh, arborvitas. I noticed uh, uh, the commercial space had uh, had their arborvitas kind of splayed out last year because of the snow weight. And this year they just cut them all down and tore them out. And... uh, they didn't have to. They could have easily... Gone in and tied them up. Gone in and tied them up. And that's what you pretty much have to do with those many-stemmed arborvitas in an area with as much wet, heavy snow as we've got. You know, except I have those big arborvitas at the edge of our yard. And, 
one of my favorite one of my favorite one of my favorite plants is the Hollywood juniper, which of course doesn't grow here, but it is an irregular shaped, you know, kind of Dr. Zeus kind of looking plant that is beautiful. And so my arborvitas, when they come apart, I just let them go because it reminds me of the Hollywood juniper and think you don't have to be perfect. Nope. <laughs> but uh we lost our larch trees this year. Yeah, we lost that two really, of them. Oh, yeah. That really shocked me. Over 100 years old. I was looking at uh, the neighbor next door to the house I was working in, and they had a really pretty I tree. saw that same <laughs> large tree, and I was looking at it, going, yours looks beautiful, and mine's dead. That's right. I don't like it at all. Actually, I've got one that has maybe three branches alive on it. Which means there is life in it somewhere. Well, let's feed it some... Can it recover? Can we feed it some uh, manure tea? We certainly can. And we can also feed it Because they'll like some, that. We can like it that. some organic fertilizer from Canada. And uh, the raspberry varieties are starting to show the difference. You know, some of them are growing a lot faster than others. and Boy, we have a lot of them. We do. We have we three varieties of raspberries. All of them pretty new introductions. And they're... They're uh, pretty exciting forms. They're really breeding for flavor now instead of for transportability. No good. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and you know, you ought to make a raspberry very, display. Do you have a display set up? I just got them on tables, tables with their names on them. I don't really have a display set up. I should make a demonstration planting bed with the raspberries. Well, good luck with that. Okay, I'm uh, just busy. to get her out. It seems like <laughs> I can like, work for other people, but I'm not working for you, Dave. No, I feel like a, a sock full of mud, just piling more mud into it faster and faster and faster. There's so much to do, and and uh, the raspberry varieties. There are some of them that are bred for, for the new flavor. I mean, the, not new, but increased flavor that are so tender you can't possibly think of putting them into a little box and shipping them. Great. Just, so, what are the names? For that one, it's called a Lewis, a Lewis raspberry, L-E-W-I-S. It's from the University of Washington. All these varieties are out of university breeding programs. You know, there's money in raspberries, so they're trying to always improve both the disease resistance and the flavor, the fresh-picked flavor on them. And uh, the other ones are Nova and Vintage. And they're... they're, uh, they're the kind that have fruit on the branch the first year. And then it goes dormant, and they have a bigger crop the second year. And then it goes dormant, and then it's time to cut them down. So that you're And then get, it comes from the base again? Come, and during that, that year, the new one has been growing up around it. Right, comes right out of the same base. Great. Just like a salmon berry or, or uh, any of those other kind of bramble bushes. I like them. I'm very fascinated by them. Yeah. And uh, of fascination, have you seen the cones that are standing up on the fir trees? Yeah, they're beautiful. Beautiful. That's one of the the distinguishing things about firs is they have these beautiful cones that look like candles. And so on the the gray firs that we have, do they have cones? I haven't seen them. They're just forming them now. And what color are they? Uh, They're pale, pale yellow. Pale yellow. Uh-huh. And they're wow. they're on a blue fur background and pale creamy yellow. So they're going to be they're gonna get dark purple. They're Let's just take not some pictures yet. so we can do a, a, a picture a time uh-huh. progression. Okay. Yeah. 
you, I bet I can do that. I know that I'm going to be doing some some work like that this week. So uh, I'm shipping stuff out to other towns right now. I'm sending things to Angoon and Huna. I'm sending things to Metlakatla. And if you're out there in the other part of the world and you want some of these exotic things, if you want new kinds of raspberries, if you want um, any of the the spireas or the potentillas. The small, or, the small shrubs that we were talking about. Or the rhododendrons, all those things. And particularly the ones, like Margaret was talking, the ones that are in the seedling trays. So I've got three colors of lilac. I've got uh, pink and white and, and dark, dark, dark pur- purple. Yeah. And they're all new varieties, so they're resistant to the the leaf miners and they're resistant to the fungal diseases. They're really, really a good buy. And so if you're interested in that. And how much are those by a plug, Dave? They're like about six bucks. Uh-huh. You know, and they're a two-year-old plug, so they've been through a winter and they're now ready to start growing. And, and be planted. And the ones that I planted from those plugs last year. Are big were, now. They're, they're quite good size. I put them in a two-gallon can and they were about four to six inches then and they're maybe 15, 18 inches now. Right. Yeah, they look just wonderful. And in that same format are those red cedars. I see that we're coming to the end of our show for today. So uh, I'll be back up at Landscape Alaska and uh, come see me this afternoon. Margaret's going to be out with her workers and we'll uh, we'll talk to more about that. We'll talk to you next week and remember next week is Father's Day and uh, We'll have specials. Happy gardening.